You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Listening to AZ Wildcat podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on right now. You throw down five dollars on this a Super Bowl game, and if that team wins, you get two hundred eighty dollars in free plays. That simple, that easy. All right. Now, after much backroom channeling, agent negotiations, talk, we now have the goat, one Jason Shear, uh, editor at Wildcat Authority. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? How's it going, Mike? Ah, very excited to have you on. All right. So, so first and foremost, where can, uh, the, for the, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know who Jason Shear is, where can they find Jason Shear? Uh, wildcatauthority.com and then at Jason Shear on, uh, on Twitter. And you're fairly active on Twitter, correct? I, yes. Sometimes I get a little carried away, but you right. can find me on, on Twitter pretty active. All right. All right. So first and foremost, we're going to uh, we, we're going to talk a lot of basketball here, but I want to talk a little bit of football here first. This is uh, you've been covering football <laughs> recruiting since what? Uh, about t- close to 20 years now at the U of A. Yeah, it makes me feel old. But yeah. About 20 yes. Years. Oh, OK. Have you ever seen anything like this from a recruiting perspective from a staff? I mean, the closest thing was Mike Stoops. I think it was like his second or third class. But even then, no, because this staff is coming off a 1-11 season. I'm not sure I've seen this anywhere, let alone Arizona. Like, when you finish 1-11, you don't finish with a top 25 recruiting class. It's it's pretty wild to see. And the thing about it that's fascinating is, is now every time there's a recruit that's on the market or a transfer portal guy – I just kind of assume that he's going to Arizona. It's, you know, it's, it's like with Jaden Delora, you know, this is a, this is a kid that could have gone to a lot of different places being that he's the PAC 12 freshman of the year. And Oh, by the way, Arizona just comes in and gets him. It feels like it's not stopping. And one thing, and I want to get your take on a couple of the players in this class, but first um, I talked with somebody that would probably have a good idea. And he said, you know, he said as great as 2022 is, he said, as long as we don't win just one game next year, 2023 is going to be a lot more of the same, my man. Yeah, yeah, they're they're setting up. I mean, like you said, they, they got to win some games. But as long as they don't have a a fully crap season, 
Uh, right. Their 2023 class is going to be good. Like they're mm-hmm. already kind of setting up. They know who they want. They're in there with a lot of top guys that I, I don't think people realize how well they're doing with. Um, they're going to have to win some football games, but this isn't just like a one-off and then they're back to landing, you know, the 60th best class in the country. It's, it's not how it's going to happen. Now, so uh, what's, um, what was I going to say? So um, Jonas Savanea, I wanted to get with uh, talk about him first. You and I were st- uh, sitting or standing next to him at uh, media day. And Jed Fish said that he's never seen a player. And as Jed Fish will tell you, he's been around a lot of different, you know, uh, coaches, players, whatnot. Uh, he said that he's never seen a lineman that can carry 330 pounds the way that Savanea can. And it's insane. When you and I were standing next to him, First of all, he's a massive man, so I'm not saying that. But he looked more like he was like 270. He didn't look fat at all. It was crazy. He's a freak. I mean, that's in, in the in the nicest way. Like when you stand next to him, he is massive, but he doesn't look 330 pounds at all. Like it is muscle. He's breaking all the strength records as a freshman already. Um, he's one of these guys where you know we talk about it all the time. Where you know you see an opposing team come and you're like, all right, these these guys look different. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this is one of the dudes that it doesn't look like an Arizona player generally looks like. Well, but yeah. And I, I thought it was really fascinating, too, because everybody's talking about Tatora McMillan. They're talking about Rayshon Speedy Luke. No relation. And, uh, you know, guys like that. But the one guy that Fish said that he expects to contribute, and again, a lot of these guys are going to contribute early, but he made a special point to say that he expects Jonas Savanea to play early. And generally when a coach says that about a freshman that hasn't even gone through fall camp yet, he might not start, but he might start. And he's at the very least, he's going to be playing a lot in that rotation. And that's a lot to say for an offensive lineman, because besides quarterback, that's probably the hardest position to get on the field as a freshman. And I mean, they're saying it based on like weight room stuff, <laughs> like, right? Right. The kid, and he's going to play. I don't know if he'll start, but I don't. He's going to be a heavy rotation guy if he doesn't start. He has a real chance to start. And this is a guy where, if you ask the coaches, like, yeah, T Mac, and, and rightfully so, is getting all the pub, but they would put him right there with T Mac as being the best player that they signed in this class. What really uh, struck me too is just looking at all these players too. And again, we didn't see a lot of them because a lot of them still aren't on campus, but. Just look at a guy like an A.J. Jones who, you know, you look at this recruiting class. You've got Jacob Cowing. You've got uh, Tatora McMillan. You've got, uh, you know, Kevin Green from uh, uh, XUSC decommit. And then you see a guy like A.J. Green – or, excuse me, A.J. Green. Uh, A.J. Jones, who is a UCLA decommit and is kind of like the the fifth-rated wide receiver, and he looks like he's six foot ten. Yeah, he's uh, – he's- it, the way he's built, like, that's how you want your wide receivers to look. He's 6'5". He could put on weight and strength. He's already fast as heck. Um, He's another one of these guys where if you ask the coaching staff, he's underrated. And one of the reasons is because the, the wide receiver class they signed is loaded. But, like, me and you stood next to him and we're like, oh, like, again, this right. kid looks different. Like, this kid isn't just a little scrawny wide receiver. And he's got to gain some weight, but he's huge. And fish, what's made, and because you've got your pull, you got your finger on the pulse of everything recruiting wise. What has made fish such a, you know, such a dynamic target in the recruiting scene right now? The kids are that kids are signing up to play for him left and right, and kids that could go anywhere, not like SMU or ULL Lafayette types. Uh, I think a few things. Number one, the effort, like he's putting in major effort, and a lot of head coaches don't recruit; they they put it on their staff. 
Um, but you know, we've said this for years that if you're a head coach at Arizona, you have to put on, put in the effort and Rich Rod didn't do it towards the end. Someone definitely didn't do it. You have to recruit as a head coach and that's what he's doing. And I think he's also being honest, you know, he's like, look, you know, we went one and 11. If you want to play, obviously you look at a one and 11 team right. and you yourself, you're going to play. And these kids, a lot of times want to play and, and they believe the message And his message is if you play and you let us bring in another class or two. Uh, we're going to get this thing turned around and, and they're buying it right now. One thing that I try to tell uh, listeners and we get a lot of messages from this, though, and I want you to be able to elaborate on this, is that people also do need to understand, though, that football recruiting and basketball recruiting are a lot different. People are looking at this class now and they're like, oh, it's the best class ever. We should be able to win eight games next year. It's so much different. And I tell use this example all the time. When John Calipari leaves Memphis for a broken Kentucky at the time, all he had to do is bring John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Bledsoe, all those guys. And you know what? All of a sudden, you're really, really good. Now, football's different because these kids are still 18-year-olds going against grown men. So in my opinion, people ask me, you know, what would you like to see next year from a win perspective? And you know what? I'm fine. If, if we can get four wins and they show improvement throughout the year and you're playing a lot of freshmen, Jason, I'm more than okay with that. Yeah, I mean, basketball, like, let's say I lose four guys to the draft. I bring in one five-star, you know, top 10 player in the country, and all of a sudden my team is is still fine. Like, right. it's, I mean, right. you gotta, it's very easy. Um, it's easier to bring in talent and be successful right away in basketball. and football, the physical demands, like I could say, you know, uh, Jacob Reese, an offensive lineman, I'm just picking the guy. He's mm -hmm. good. He's going to be good. You're asking a lot as for, for a freshman offensive lineman to play. So you got to say, what is this kid going to be like? in two, three years. And Fish kind of insinuated that the other day. And um, I, I do obviously think Arizona is going to be better. I, I think adding a guy like Jaden Delora, for instance, is going to help this team a lot. But people saying, oh, this team is one of the top two teams in the Pac-12 South or whatever. No, they they got they got some time. And, and it's a, it's a multi-year building process. And that's why you kind of got to be uh, patient with, with Fish. And do you have to, is, does there have to be improvement next season? Yeah, obviously you want to see. But like you said, four five games, it would be a pretty remarkable jump when you think about it. Especially and, what people, and what people need to understand, too, is that, you know, the the years of uh, USC not mattering anymore, those are about to be over. I mean, yeah, you, 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 <laughs> yeah they're already over already. I mean, <laughs> this is this is a pro USC is about to be back. And, you know, ASU is obvious. I'm not ASU. A, well, ASU is going to stink. We can make fun of them right. here in just a minute. But um, ASU is going to be awful. Uh, Utah is always going to be solid. So those are two programs that you're not going to be leapfrogging this year, Utah and USC. But, you know, a lot of the other people there are on the, uh, you know, on the defensive real quick. And then we're going to get to basketball. Oh, by the way, KB Thiel says, Jason, who's your favorite poster on Wildcat Authority and why is it Jules? Uh, Jules is like my little son. Right? All right. Well, he's like a little kid, right? Hey, I know. I, like right? I mean, that in a good way. There's a little bit. There's there's very much of a uh, there's very much of a uh, a youthful exuberance factor. <laughs> um, just real quick to make fun of ASU. Have you ever seen two programs go in the most diametrically different positions in football and basketball than Arizona and ASU are right now? Football's wild because footballs are bread and butter. They'll always tell you at ASU that football, even though they have no history, but yes, right. but I right. mean, right, it, like they're finishing like out of the top 100 like it's insane and and they're just kind of sitting back and, and letting it happen so when they win two games next year and then they get rid of herm um yeah. are they are they basically just holding on to herm um because nobody really wants that job not knowing what's going to happen 
Yeah, I think they're kind of doing what Arizona did, similar to Sean Miller, which is right. you ride it out until you can't ride it out anymore, and then you, you move on from there. Well, the difference with Miller, though, is he leaves you with a, a team that right. uh, hits top five in the country, and we're going to get to that in a second. But one thing that I got to tell everybody about is the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Throw down $5 on any game or on any game, the game, the Super Bowl, and if that team wins, you get $280 in f- free plays. Jason, I like the Rams. Who do you like in the Super Bowl? I like the Rams. Yeah. I want the Bengals to win, though. But I'm yeah, I like that. Joe, uh, well, you know what? Joe Burrow, not good enough for Nebraska, good enough to be <laughs> the number one pick. We'll just leave it at that. But again, eligibility restrictions do apply 21 and up, Arizona only. If you got a gambling problem, call 1 800 Next Step. They'll get you back on your feet and right back into the DraftKings Sportsbook app. All right, basketball time. When Tommy Lloyd was hired, and I got to give Shear a lot of credit here because Shear's the guy that usually gets these kind of scoops. And Shear told me, he's like, man, he's like, Tommy Lloyd's a legitimate possibility. And this is when everybody's thinking, they're like, all right, who's going to be that, you know, who's going to, because generally programs like Arizona, you want an established coach. And so Lloyd comes in here and I think it's hard to say that this transition hasn't been smoother than I think anybody could have possibly thought, Jason. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for much more, can you? Like it's, you know, in in the transition when you're playing different offenses, defenses, et cetera, it's usually not this smooth. And um, I think a big part of it is the fact that these guys came back. Uh, There wasn't a mass exodus, which is pretty crazy to think about um, with all the transfer portal stuff. And, And the fact that there wasn't a mass exodus made this thing a lot smoother and a lot easier than really it should have been. Right. Okay. So now you look at some of the players right here and you know, it, it's weird. I think we're all kind of prisoners of the moment. I was obviously wrong, and I've, you know, I've, I've taken the egg on the face with this with Christian Coloco. Um, but, like, you look at a guy like a Coloco, and, you know, I think this is where people get a little carried away. He's good. Don't get me wrong. And he's much better. I'm, I've already taken the L on him. But people are, you know, people are asking, they're like, well, why aren't we getting the Coloco from earlier in the season offensively? Because that really isn't that Coloco. I mean, he's okay offensively, but he's always going to be making his bones on the defensive side of the ball. And that's just fine for this team right here, Bear, because you've got other guys that should be able to carry that load. I think in a way also, like, we don't give other teams enough credit. Like, we just assume that other teams don't scout. (laughs) We ask, like, why players aren't as good. And Coloco was out of his mind. And I guarantee you when – Michigan played Arizona, um, you know, they didn't expect Coloco to be that good offensively, but the dude's still one of the best defensive players in the country. Like, right. it's, it's, and that's He's averaged three and a half blocks. Right, like uh, his block rate is insane, and it's okay. Like, it's okay that they have a top two or three, you know, best defensive center in the country, and maybe he's not scoring 16 points a game, but he's good enough offensively. Like, you still can't leave him open on the block. You still have to worry about him, and that's really what Arizona needs. They don't need a, a dominant post score. All right, Jason, what do you do? What are what would you do with, and we're all different. There's no right answers right here, but what would you do with the Julius Tabellis right now? Because obviously it looks like they're going to play him. The problem, though, is that these are games you need to win right now because these are some of your last ch- opportunities to get really good wins. And quite frankly, this isn't the Julius Tabellis that we've seen for the first year and a half of his uh, time here in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the trainers have a better feel for right. it than I do, but – like I said right away, I, I would have rested him for a few mm-hmm. games and, and gone back. And um, if it's still not better, you kind of go from there. But, I mean, the problem is Arizona played like crap against ASU. We don't know if they would have won, you know, without Tubelas. They probably would have. But 
Um, now you're kind of in the the nitty gritty. You don't want to bench him against UCLA, but you also have to keep in mind that the tournament's only a, a month and a half away. Right. And so, you know, it, it my guess is that they felt that they could rest him and, and it would help him immensely. They would do it. Um, he might just have to play through it and kind of get better on that. But yeah, I mean, I said that I would I would probably, you know, rest him a few games and have gone from there. But it almost feels like it's too late at this point. Right, right. What's your take on this guys on this team? Now, I think it's fair to say that Benedict Matherin, barring something incredibly unforeseen, is going to be in the NBA draft yeah. next year. Um, what do you guys like Coloco, guys like Tabellis, you expect them back? What do you think? I think Ben's the only lock to go in the draft. Right. I mean, I'm right. not saying, you know, we see guys enter the draft all the time that shouldn't enter, but the only guy that I look at and say, oh, this guy's gone is Ben. Right. Um, Tubelis can come back. He likes college. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coloco, I don't really see a, a spot for him right now. Right. Um, you know, he needs to get better offensively. And and really just the other guys can, you know, there's all room for improvement. So if I'm looking in, you know, I, I think the coaching staff thinks that more importantly, that the only guy that when they look at the roster, that's a lock to, to leave early would be Ben. All right, before we get into the UCLA-USC matchup right here, the one guy that has been a super shock for me, because honestly, I thought he was going to be a just kind of a, I mean, a different kind, but basically an Ira Lee type role where Umar Ballo can play. I mean, this is a guy that if he's your starting center in a year or two, I'm totally fine with that, Jason. He's light years better than what I expected him to be. Yeah, I mean, I think he's better than the staff expected him to be too because they even warned early in the season, hey, you know, it's going to take him some time. And it's taken time. You know, you see against better teams, um, he struggles a little bit more. But uh, when he's not going against like the UCLA's of the world, he dominates these guys. Like Mm -hmm. he's just too big, too strong, and and gets what he wants in the paint. And um, yeah, I mean, he's you know, you thought he'd be a guy going, you know, 4.3 rebounds off the bench, like whatever. Uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, there's people on the message board that are wrong, but um, there's a discussion of starting him. And right. it's like for him, for that to even be any type of discussion, um, he has to be playing well. And yeah, he you can make an argument he's been the most surprising guy on the roster so far. Okay. UCLA coming into town here. You know, it's weird to think this, and I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I'm going to speak for myself because I can. Um, I think I've... <laughs> And I think I fell into a trap a little bit with UCLA and Pauly, just forgetting how good that UCLA is because they hadn't played well coming off of COVID, uh, you know, return. And but you look at it though, and this is still a team, Jason, that's loaded with dogs. You got to Campbell, you've got Juzang, you've got Hawkes, you've got guys that are proven. So if Arizona took them a little bit lightly last time, I'm not saying they did. They're definitely not going to be taking them lightly tomorrow. Yeah, I think people don't realize like. Steve Alford was that bad of a coach. Yes. When you go when you go through this roster and, and what they were ranked in high school, right. uh, this roster is loaded. Right. Like these guys are good and now they're old. And when you're old and good in college, like they're a top five team in the country. They're a legit threat to win the national title. And I think people forgot that because of how Arizona uh was rolling. And and so, you know, it, it's I, I think that Thursday's game will have a different feel, but I mean, UCLA is not going to fold under pressure. The crowd's not really going to get to them that much. They're an older, more veteran team. And when you look at Arizona, I think they're a lot younger than people realize. And right. that's what that last game felt like. It felt like a veteran team not shaken by the moment, knowing what they had to get done versus a younger team who may have gone in there a little cocky. What's your take on – and again, he's good. He's good. And I, I like – 
I like Kerr for the one factor, and I really don't want him tweeting at me. Um, but uh, it's all I'll fun and games, too. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Jason's been on the other end of that one. Um, but uh, I, I, I give him the ultimate credit because he's definitely a guy that wants shots. When when the when the when the uh, you know when the time is down, a lot of guys say they want shots, but they really don't want shots. Um, Kerr wants those shots. My question, though, about him going forward, and this is for this year and next year, is first, are we sure that he's a really good shooter? Because we're a year and a half in right now, and you and I have messaged about this, and he's essentially shooting 33% from three for his career and about 37 from the field. Those aren't obviously good numbers. Um, is he a good shooter? And my other question is this. Is next year, do you think that they would be better with him maybe off the ball if they can get a little bit more of a creator slash defender ball handler? What's your take on those two questions? Uh, for me, I, I, would, I wouldn't classify him as a really good shooter, a streaky right. shooter. I think right. he's one of these guys where, and there's a lot of them in, in the country, where he could go 0 for 9, you know, tomorrow, and he could go 8 for 10 one game, you know, and, and um, there's more of those, you know, two for seven type of games. I, the, the problem, the thing that I think is frustrating with him is it always looks good. Like his right. form is great. It did looks perfect. Right. And it just doesn't go in and he's a much better shooter. The problem that I have with the shooting is that he's a much better shooter when he doesn't set his feet. Right. And so like he'll set his feet, he'll make the shot and then he'll come down like he did against UCLA and shoot a three in transition where it's, you know, one on three. And it's like, what are you doing? Right. Um, in terms of next year, they want him with the ball in his hands. I think a lot of that depends on who they get. Like, let's say a guy, you know, they they don't bring in a point guard and it's still, you know, Boswell in 2023. Um, I'm cool with that. If they have a guy that's more of a point guard on the roster, let's say like Boswell reclassifies or something, then it's like, okay, we need to reconsider our guard lineups. And, and maybe they do the almost like the two, the two point guards, which is similar to what Gonzaga does, which is like whoever gets the ball is the guy that brings it up and, we have two main ball handlers and you could do that and kind of refine your offense around that as well. But um, you know, if you remember, like I, I think Arizona has limited choices, like Justin Kyer, I like him a lot, but I don't know right. if I want him 30, right. you know, 30 minutes at the point either. He's more of a secondary ball handler type. Right. So what now, what are the, re uh, before I get your prediction and then a quick little USC quip before we let you go, what, uh, what recruits are there? Is there anybody out there? Is this going to be kind of a transfer portal thing again for next year, as far as bringing in immediate talent? Outside yeah. of Dylan Anderson. Yeah, it's going to be Dylan Anderson, uh, a secret international guy. I can't talk about even even with you. Right. And then if someone leaves early, they'll go to the transfer portal. Um, 2023 is is the big class. That's the one where you're really going to see what Tommy Lloyd and the staff can do. They're on a lot of uh, good guards, good players. And um, I think that's, you know, if you want to criticize or evaluate his recruiting, I, I think 2023 is probably the class to do it. All right, here's something that nobody's ever going to criticize. The DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Here's the deal. You throw down $5 on the Super Bowl, you get $280 in free plays if that team wins. You got a 50-50 chance the way I look at it. Jason has been on the DraftKings Sportsbook app before, have you not? I have. I'm broke yes. Down, but I was going to say, right? But you know what? It was fun while it lasted, and that's all you can really hand. That's all you can really go for. Jason likes the Rams. Jason's an L.A. native. Um, I like the Rams, too, but I'm also rooting for Joe Burrow. Personal reasons for a quarterback that I don't particularly like much that Nebraska took over him or decided they wanted. That's where you want to go, though, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right, the great thing, too, about being on here is that we get the best guests. We get the GOAT. 
Jason Shear. So subscribe to AZ Wildcats podcast. And if you get a membership at GoPHNX, by the way, you get a Back the A t-shirt for free. Uh-oh. These things are going like hotcakes. You're going to want to get them before they're out of stock. So make that happen. All right, Jason. UCLA prediction, then we're going to get a little USC rundown, and then uh, I'm going to let you get back to being a parent and uh, writing. Uh, you know, it's I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards UCLA a little bit because right. just the experience and the fact that I don't think a lot changes in a week. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm also a believer that, that things kind of even out, and Arizona shot so poorly <laughs> lately that I kind of think it breaks out of it. So I'll go Arizona 76, UCLA 74. All right. I'm kind of in the same boat. I think Arizona wins this game, but I think it's going to be incredibly close. All right, here's now my question. USC, I want your take on something here that I posted on the board. You have been an Andy Enfield denier for the longest time. My only take is this. I think Andy Enfield is very good for USC. What do you say? That's fine. You got to reword that. Andy Enfield is not a very good coach, but he's a good enough. It's like Bobby Hurley. I like Bobby. Oh, he's better than Bobby Hurley. Come on. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. But like we said, like Bobby Hurley's perfect for ASU, right? Right. Or he used to be. Not anymore. No, I don't think he is anymore. But yes. Andy Enfield's perfect for USC. It's a football school and he does well enough. Do I think he's a great coach? No, I don't. I think, you know, what's, would you rather have Tim Floyd or Andy Enfield? Oh. The thing, the, the, the thing that really turned me off to Enfield is when he had the, the roster with Boatwright, Metu, you know, and all McLaughlin. those guys. And then, yeah, and he went and got eliminated in, like, the second round. What about last year, though? Last year doesn't count to me. Last year doesn't count? It literally doesn't count. I don't even think about it. Look, Oregon State, like, that tells me all I need to know. Last year doesn't count to me. But the best team, the best team did win last year in Baylor, correct? Another That's one fair. of your guys, Scott yeah. Drew. I like Scott Drew now. I've I've turned on him. He's good. all right. Okay, you've turned on him or turned off of him. Yeah. Turn me on. <laughs> all right, Jason. All right, real quick again. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Give me your prediction for the SC game again, my man. I think Arizona beats SC. Right. I think they beat SC by six or seven. All right, there you got it, Jason Shear. Or all right, Jason. Again, where can everybody find you if they're not already following you, which they should be. Uh, at Jason Shear on Twitter. And then Wildcat Authority, we're having a sale for the rest of the day, 60% off an, an annual subscription. So so get in there. There you go. Jason Shear, Mike Luke, we got you everything you need. Thanks for hopping in here, everybody. We'll be back with you tomorrow, hopefully breaking down a U of A, UCLA win. All right, U of A win over UCLA. Thanks again, big dog. Appreciate you, my man. Thanks for having me, man. All right, talk to you soon. Jason Shear, I'm Mike Luke. Mm-hmm.